Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Connor, Sunday, March 14, 2021 is the day. Today we are taping this show and it's very close to the one year anniversary of the announcement of the pandemic. I think Monday, March 16 yeah. of last year, 2020, that was that's the date I kind of consider as mm-hmm. the date because it's the worst work day. Right. That was my first canceled trial. March 16 was supposed wow. to be jury selection in a, a trial uh, here in California. And um, I, the Sunday before, that would be this afternoon, uh, I was trading uh, emails with opposing counsel and with the judge uh, himself, which is very rare. You never really you know, trade emails with the judge, but right. extreme circumstances. Uh, I was saying, are we going forward? Are we going to be able to get a jury? Should we be calling a jury and putting a bunch of people into an unventilated courtroom with yeah. no procedures? Because we had no idea what we were doing yet. And the judge eventually said by the end of the day, yeah, let's call it. Uh, this one's not happening. Uh, maybe next week. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, uh, maybe who knew? Next week. Who knew? So I, there were so many maybe next weeks back then. This judge, he wasn't like Brian Cranston in your honor, I hope. No, uh, I haven't son, seen that show. Son didn't kill somebody, didn't try to cover it up. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I think everybody knows that's kind of what the show's about. Yeah, that's the premise. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Did did you have any idea in your mind when this started that this could drag on a year Everybody's or more? attitude was, it's going to be a month. You, is that your memory? Yeah. I, I just don't have a clear memory of what people thought. You yeah. think people were expecting, oh, we'll knock this out three or four weeks. Yeah. Well, back I to mean, normal. Well, we had we had Donald Trump in office saying we are at five cases, it's gonna go down to zero soon. Right. We had Donald Trump in office saying, Well, but don't by the time that- the pandemic was declared on March 16, 2020, or, or the 14th or 15th, it, it was worse than that at that point. It, it, right. it may have been. You're probably right. What we had at that point, I believe, was Trump saying, I don't want to bring the uh cruise ship full of sick old people because i don't want to pad the statistics it'll double the national cases if i bring 200 people on board uh, off off board so yeah i mean that was the world we we were living in so we just send them floating off on an ice floe like the old eskimo right (laughs) a completely inept government uh governmental response not basically not doing anything just saying it was all going to disappear meanwhile we saw intense extreme lockdowns in China already and them getting things under control. And our attitude was, okay, well, things might get kind of crazy over here, but well, I'm sure we won't have to, you know, lock down like the Chinese did, uh, but we'll get it under control anyway. Well, we didn't lock down like the Chinese did, that's for sure. And we sure as heck didn't get it under control either. Well, nobody had a crystal ball, but... uh, A lot of doctors had some some pretty murky crystal balls, but they were still crystal balls and nobody listened to them. Yeah, absolutely. So what are we going to talk about today? Uh, There was a, a Quora question I thought we'd kick off with. Are lawyers slimy? Are they as slimy as people say they are? That's a provocative question. We'll so get cruel. Everybody's got their own take on that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into it. Uh, we're going to talk about George Floyd, the, the case there in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, the lawyer, the uh, uh, cop who put his knee on George Floyd's neck and is on trial for a homicide. Uh, the jury selection is going on. We're going to wonder, is this a an impossible dream to get an unbiased jury when everybody has seen the video so many times and everybody is discussing 
disgusted by it. And basically, they've already made up their mind. So how is that going to work? Oh, we're going to talk about whether uh, the vaccines uh, should be mandatory. They, they kind of are under the law, but companies are a little reluctant to say, hit the road, Jack, if you don't take the shots. And we're going to talk also about whether the recall, the attempt to get rid of Governor Newsom, is a good tool or a bad tool. And of course, maybe we should be adding... Uh, Governor Cuomo and a few other uh, items on on the recall agenda because things are not looking good for him. And finally, we're going to talk about whether universal basic income is a good idea or is it a job killer? Is it compassionate relief? So we're going to try to get to all of those things. Before we do, though, I, I have to tell you, I went down to the office in downtown Los Angeles for one of the few times I've been to the office in the last year. And I don't know if things have changed in downtown Los Angeles, Connor. Maybe maybe you've picked up on this. But uh, my office is uh, right downtown, right off of 4th Street. So you're going on the Harbor Freeway South, and there's the 4th Street off-ramp. There's a big sign. And it's kind of the heart of downtown. Absolute heart of downtown, just south of the the big, you know, 16-level Hollywood Freeway and, and Golden State Freeway and Harbor Freeway Interchange, named after. After uh, legendary traffic reporter Bill Keen. So I'm looking up and there's this giant sign that says 4th Street. And I know it says 4th Street because I've been getting off there for 40 years. Right. And there's a sign next to it that says, uh, if you don't get off of 4th Street, you can get off of Wilshire Boulevard or keep heading south. I know this because it's institutional memory burned into my little head. That's great. But when I looked up, Connor, as Mm -hmm. I was getting off the freeway, I couldn't see anything. Was there smog? Graffiti totally obscured the message of both giant signs. Wow. Now, I've seen pl- plenty of graffiti in my yeah. time, but to totally obscure two signs side by side, I mean, it, was pretty, it was pretty impressive artistic yeah, graffiti. But I thought, what if it wasn't Royal trying right, to get right, to right, this right. office he's been to 18,000 times? What if it yeah. was somebody? Yeah. I mean, have you yeah. noticed? Are we more into an apocalyptic landscape, Mad Max yeah, yeah, escape yeah. from New York yeah. thing? Or is it just this one freeway intersection? I think it's probably just a one freak uh, occurrence. Uh, but but yeah, everybody uses their phones to get everywhere now. So it's a, a little less impactful to have you know signs be defaced. But uh I don't know. It's pretty cool. It's too bad that, um, you know, they couldn't do it like on the concrete right next to it so it would last longer and not yeah, get painted or, over or as maybe, fast. maybe on a canvas in a nice art gallery, air conditioned, <laughs> where you pay to get in. How nice. about that? That'd be nice, too. Graffiti artists. So, uh, topic Where's one. our lawn? Whoever it is, get off it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> topic number one. Are lawyers as slimy as people say they are? Now, that ain't my question. It was a question on Quora. And uh, here's the answer by some uh, dude who responded. He says, I'll be frank about this. The general opinion in the USA is that a lot of lawyers are lousy slime balls. Oh, I wrote this. Yeah, my bad. In much of the rest of the world, it's a contrast. Lawyers in many countries are seen in a positive light. People uh, of learning and sang-froid. I'll get to that in a second. With social prestige and personal honorableness. They spell honorable with a U, so I think they're from Britain or something. Not all countries consider the lawyer to be some yellow-livered, low-down son-of-a-bitch rat fink with (laughs) briefcases who churn their cases to milk the clients dry and sell defendants down the toilet. This guy's had a bad experience with a barrister. This is mixed. He says toilet, not loo. Yeah. But he says honorable with a U. Weird. Maybe he's talking about barristers, not lawyers. He says, he says, I grew up in 13 different countries around the world and worked internationally for 35 plus years. So in other words, he can't keep a job and he keeps getting deported. (laughs) And that general pattern of attitude in the rest of the world comes over in direct contrast to the situation in the U.S. where I also partly grew up. Yeah, who cares, pal, where you grew up? So first of all, this word sang that he mentions, people think about it. It means um, it's a noun, composure or coolness, sometimes excessive, as shown in danger. I think at 
one point I knew what sang froid meant, Never. but I'm not not recently. I guess froid is like cold in French, and sang is like blood. Like if you're sanguine, Ooh, you're you're optimistic. About, yeah, so that's the kind of thing. So nice. he uses a word that nobody knows because cool. if I don't know it, then I say, well, of nobody course. knows. <laughs> Uh, the other problem I have with his post is he called these lawyers yellow-livered. Uh, now, you could be yellow, meaning cowardly, or, or you, you mean lily-livered, livered, but I don't think there's such a thing as yellow-livered. So maybe this guy should go back to the 13 countries he went, uh, <laughs> lived in around the world, go back to school in each one of them. Right. Learn but, the languages there. But, you know, do you think that uh, lawyers yeah. are as slimy so, as people say they are? As we mentioned the other day on this one, you know, the, the Shakespearean quote that always gets thrown around, first to kill all the lawyers, right? And you're right. It's parody, of course, in, in context. Uh, Shakespeare didn't hate lawyers. Unless he did. Who knows? But the issue that people have with lawyers, and this is embodied, I'd say this is embodied in the title of our podcast. Mm -hmm. Too many lawyers. People look around at the system and they see lawyers crawling all over every problem. I mean, Ambulance chasers. Right. Well, in a sense, looking around and seeing lawyers circling like buzzards around the carcasses of tragedy and, 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 and mishap in society, it would be like looking at firefighters running in and out of a burning building and saying, ugh, firefighters, they're always showing up when things are at their worst. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's firefighters' fault. So in a sense, there is that element. Am I comparing us to first responders? Are we heroes? Yes, obviously. But that's not what I'm talking about here. No, look, the, the reason that there are so many bad lawyers out there and lawyers who are bad people is because being a lawyer is an easy stepladder into the architecture of power in this country. It is, it is prestigious because of the high, you know, the difficult uh, education you've got to go through, and the hoops you've got to jump through, and the educational attainment you've got to get in order to get into law school, and then the you know the interviews you've got to nail and the writing samples you've got to have to get into a big fancy law firm, and therefore it's prestigious and it carries power as a result of that, and people will uh, think it looks sexy, uh, even though. The title lawyer doesn't mean any of that, but it is connected in some way in people's minds to that. And the other is that lawyers explicitly, they become officers of the court and attach themselves to the architecture of power in this country. They will utilize the structure of the government to extract money or concessions from people in negotiation. It's their job to do that. They, the, the system needs people to be enacting it on the ground, you right. know, out there the same way that the army needs soldiers out there. But they're not explicitly uh, enrolled in the army or under the direction of somebody who we think is benevolent. They're out there for their own aims. So it's like a bunch of rogue mercenaries running around society, utilizing the power and efficacy of the army and the right to carry arms and shoot at people. Uh, but they're doing it for their own benefit. And that just is an intrinsically scary idea and concept. It's a it, weird it concept. It, it is. And I want to expand on that theme because uh, I've got kind of a twist on, on your thought, but it's a little different in terms of why lawyers really are slimy slime balls. Scum of the earth. Uh, <laughs> but before uh, we go to a quick break, uh, Connor's going to tell you exactly how he, you can subscribe to or rate uh, our podcast. Yeah, so check us out on whatever platform you use to get your podcast. You're listening to us on Podcast Addict or Spotify or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or whatever. And on the page where you found us when your friend sent you the link, oh, these great new lawyers all talk about law stuff, and they sent you this link. Not that your friend sounds dumb, that's just me. And <laughs> then you, you know, you, you listen to this episode don't just listen to one subscribe to us or follow us depending what your your platform calls it uh, so you get us next week because we're here every single week and if you want to leave us a review or a star rating or whatever your platform uses uh, that helps a lot too we'll be right back this is too many lawyers
This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Lopes. And I'm Connor Oaks. So we're talking about whether uh, lawyers are slimy. And you, you had a take about how they're built into the power and prestige and structure uh, of, of the country. But I think you, your very last point, Connor, had to do with the, the scary aspect of these uh, gladiators. Uh, I think that maybe is an even bigger uh, angle and mm. reason why they're slimy. And let me explain. Lawyers are not dedicated to the truth. They are dedicated to winning for their client's position. Mm, Now, it is not to say that lawyers are liars and they will lie to the court and and they will misrepresent facts. I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that people perceive lawyers as not caring about the truth, but only caring about their side winning. And when you think about it, that's kind of the way it is. Because as a lawyer, a litigator, you are handed a case and you are told, come up with the very strongest defense for this case. You're not told, now, if you think they're, you know, this is a bad case or untruthful or immoral, just don't work on it. Nobody says that. Now, I right. guess there are some criminal defense lawyers maybe who are asked, oh, would you defend me? And, and, the, and the crook says, by the way, I'm guilty, but I want you to, you know, fight to make sure the prosecution doesn't make their case. Uh, probably some criminal defense lawyers say, oh, you're terrible, you know, a terrible thing you did. I'm, I'm going to walk away from it. Yeah, criminal is the one of the best contexts to see that because it has the flip side. The, the, the on, on the one hand, you've got prosecutors who, unlike every other lawyer that we're describing in this system, has extra duties. The prosecutor has an extra obligation, not just toward to the win truth. the case. They have an extra obligation to And if they the come truth. across good stuff for the defense, they have to hand it they over. They have to hand over that information, exculpatory or even potentially exculpatory evidence. They have to hand it over to the defendant because they're not just there to score wins and notches on their belt, but lots of prosecutors are that way. They're just there to score wins, notches on their belt, to move up the ranks so their numbers look good and how many convictions they get. And that's a really scary idea. This, These these people who we entrust with the, the most horrifying, frightening power imaginable, the power of life and death sometimes, and certainly liberty over other human beings. And we just have to Trust that the institution has its internal checks and balances, because when you get into that courtroom, you have a defense attorney on the other side who's fighting like a pit bull for you uh, and, and trying to prove your innocence, if at all possible. Unless it's like the public defender and my cousin Vinny. Right. And unfortunately, that's another tragic stereotype that we have in, uh, for public defenders who, frankly, are, I mean, talk about the firefighters running into 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 uh, burning buildings. I think that's a great analogy. I view public defenders as some of the bravest people we've got in the entire legal system because they are putting themselves uh, out there to defend anybody or almost anybody who comes along. Not every public defender has to take every case, of course, but it, it the, the everybody has to have a public defender if they want one. And that is... I think a noble pursuit to say that the system needs people who are counterbalancing the vast, massive power of the state on one side. And I think that's a it's it's they do. They do work amazingly hard and and struggle so hard to make sure that criminals have an opportunity to get back on the street so they can commit more crimes. Mm, Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another way to look at it. It it is a little. Yeah. Because statistically, probably the vast majority of people accused of crimes are probably guilty and will do it again, according to the recidivist statistics. But I'm speculating here. So here's the second reason why the, the, the slime ball uh, label attaches, in addition to what we've been talking about, about a dedication to winning and not the truth. The second reason is most people in their life 
have felt victimized by a creepy lawyer. I mean, if 50 or 53% of divorces, uh, uh, marriages end in divorce, and every single, virtually every single one of those divorces has been a situation where the other side has this awful, you know, terrible excuse for humanity. Mm -hmm. And your own lawyer probably, you feel like, isn't doing everything they could or fails you. Maybe, but I think human nature is, even if your own lawyer was, you know, okay or great, you don't think about that. You just think about the horrible, you lie awake night thinking about the horrible lawyer on the other side. Yeah. So those are reasons I think why, why lawyers have the bad rap. Yeah. So let's talk about the George Floyd murder trial jury selection situation. Is it an impossible dream? So how do you get an unbiased jury in high profile cases without just getting totally uninformed hermit types? So just to recount the facts here, uh, last May 2020, Officer Derek Chauvin, if I'm pronouncing his name right. I think people say Chauvin, but Chauvin, I don't actually know knelt on George Floyd's neck for a long time and he's saying, I can't breathe and Floyd is dead. It is hard to imagine anybody who has watched that video and everybody has, uh, who has not already decided how they feel about it. He's guilty at least of some homicide crime. And who knows a third degree manslaughter or murder to whatever jury selection is underway in Minneapolis. It's going quickly. Openings are set for March 29. Los Angeles times says that the almost certainly the judge will sequester this jury. Now, maybe they said that because the judge has sent out that message. I don't know that that's true. I can't imagine that it would be an easy decision to sequester them because, I mean, we remember many of us from the O.J. Simpson murder trial in the 90s when the jury was sequestered for, what, seven, eight months, and it was a nightmare yeah. uh, in terms of cost. And, and, I mean, you know, sometimes you just have to you have to trust that people aren't going to cheat, but they, you know, they had conjugal visits. They could have gotten information about O.J. Simpson and so on. So the question is, Connor, do you really think it's possible, especially if you stay in Minneapolis, and I don't know why they aren't considering moving it out to another city because uh, after all uh, you know sometimes when we had the the Oklahoma City bomber case they didn't have the trial in Oklahoma City they knew they couldn't get an unbiased jury in that town so they moved it to Denver why wouldn't the, the uh, judge have considered moving it out of Minneapolis but do you think it's possible in a super high profile case like this a George Floyd situation to get an unbiased jury no, I, I don't think it is. I think it's the same trouble that you had in the O.J. Simpson case, in the Rodney King case, in the Michael Jackson case, and every other case where you have such an incredibly high profile um, situation. I mean, maybe you, Phil Spector, you could get a bunch of uh, millennials and younger right. uh, who don't even know who Phil Spector is, um, but you're still telling the story of a big record producer who's famous and rich and has all these connections with celebrities and everything else. There's no way to keep people unbiased in that circumstance anyway. And really, I find most of the time that the attempts to disqualify people who know too much about the facts as a proxy for will they be biased uh, are are really uh, an exercise in futility and an exercise in insanity to say, well, if this person reads the news and is informed about who O.J. Simpson, one of the most famous football players in America, and also uh, you know, a movie actor, um, and then, you know, or Michael Jackson, a one-time biggest pop star on the planet. And when I say one time, I mean for multiple decades. So these are people who everybody knows. And to try to find people who, even if you could, even if you could wave your magic wand and find the people who just incredibly lucky in our country of 350 million people, they just happen to have never heard a Michael Jackson song on the radio, but otherwise 
learn, you know, lead in, in totally normal lives and know nothing about him. There are those people. They, they must exist out there because there are so many people to pick from. But even if you could do that, I think that would be deficient. That itself would be a mistake because then you would be talking to people without the necessary context. I think a more a more honest and even level playing field would be to allow people to bring their own contexts to the circumstance it, it, to, uh, of the of the crime uh, that is alleged to have been committed. It doesn't serve anybody to look for ignorance and a clean slate when the the thing you're trying to hide is complete and total common knowledge, the existence of the most popular pop star well, on the planet well, yeah, but if or you, his if travails. If you're in Alabama and you've got a bunch of white racists on the jury, you don't want them to bring their personal perspective That's, yeah, if they're going to be biased against the black defendant. And that, I think, is the difference. I think knowledge is uh, it, it should never be a disqualifying uh, uh, factor. I think bias, explicit bias against uh, a category like a person of people of a certain race or against police or against uh, you know insurance adjusters or whoever's involved in the type of case. If, if you can suss out from a, a, a jury, a person on a jury panel, suss out what their biases might be that are irrational or come from their own personal experience and they have a really strong emotional reaction that they just can't overcome, um, then I can see it, right? If you have a dog bite case and you have somebody who just says, I'm so incredibly deathly afraid of dogs, I can't even see a Labrador retriever uh, without screaming and running uh, <laughs> because I was bitten in the past. Okay, obviously that person's biased. I get that. And that is what we should be trying to that suss That person out. needs help. That person does need help. That boy needs therapy or whatever, right? That, that is... Uh, Obviously, what the jury selection process is there to weed out. But the idea of trying to find a, 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 a jury that, what, doesn't have an opinion on civil rights, mm -hmm. doesn't have an opinion on police brutality, one of the biggest political issues of our day and age, completely useless. And, and you probably you, wouldn't want that. If you allow a, a, a lawyer in, during the voir dire process to say, I will strike this person not as a peremptory challenge, which is number of limit, you're limited by the number of peremptory challenges, just no explanation, I want to strike this person. If instead you say, I want to strike them for cause because they have expressed a political opinion about civil rights, police brutality, or, or whatever else, you're allowing effectively infinite peremptory challenges. You're just throwing out the window, the system, the rules by which these lawyers are playing, and you're saying they can kick off anybody they want and will be impossible to uh, to 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 uh, exp to prove that they're doing it for the wrong reasons because all they got to do is say, well, the guy expressed some. I asked him a question about whether police brutality exists, and he said yes or no. And either way, boom, he's gone, right? So that I think breaks the rules of the whole system, and it's just an exercise in futility. If the if the case is political, you got to have people who have political opinions on the jury. So when we come back, we're going to take you inside the George Floyd uh, murder trial, homicide trial courtroom, and introduce you to one of the potential. Jurors. Stick Is it me? Uh, it ain't you. Oh. It ain't me. Stick with us on Too Many Lights. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So we're talking about the George Floyd murder trial. Uh, Derek Chauvin, Chauvin uh, knelt on George Floyd's neck and uh, Floyd died. They are picking the jury in Minneapolis. Meet juror number two. He is an advocate of community policing. He believes all lives matter equally. He is a chemist, so he's highly educated. He's taken part in dispute resolution. White, age 30, plays ultimate frisbee and goes backpacking, so people think he's liberal. He claimed he hadn't seen the video of Floyd's I Can't Breathe desperation. Now, 
That's a little hard to believe, but I guess maybe some folks just, you know, they don't watch TV. A lot of people don't watch TV, but most of those folks uh, dabble on the internet this quite a bit. This guy's in the lab all the time yeah. doing chemistry. What he said he, he had visited the site, the web, uh, the, the scene where it actually happened, not the website, but the actual physical wow. intersection. On the questionnaire, uh, the jury questionnaire, he, he wrote he somewhat agreed that cops might cover up crimes involving use of force, but in court he said he didn't really have an opinion about that. So his selection was seen as a gamble by each side. Uh, are you surprised, Connor, by the fact that neither side struck him for one of their peremptory challenges? He made it through, so he is actually going to be on the jury because there wasn't any basis to, to challenge him for cause. For the prosecution, his education and lifestyle suggests some people think that he might lean toward conviction. From the defense perspective, uh, he's sort of self-possessed. He, he's kind of a, a political maverick. He might be unafraid to buck a trend. He could be a leader in the jury room. Does it surprise you that both sides would say, okay, well, we'll uh, we're not going to strike this guy? Well, you've got a limited number of peremptory challenges. Right. The voir dire process is always going to be kind of a crapshoot because you don't know that the jurors are representing themselves fully. Sometimes jurors really want to be on juries. Sometimes jurors really don't want to be on juries. And it gets down to the, the I think it's one of the most skill intensive parts of lawyering to be perceptive of that person and try to figure out was this person, is this person lying to me uh, or fudging the truth or being intentionally vague? Um, or are they you know, to try to get on or off uh, the jury? Or are they just being completely transparent and just happen to have confusing and contradictory worldviews? People are not monoliths, right? The hikers are not monoliths. Lots of them are conservative. Lots of them are, are liberal. Ultimate Frisbee players, same thing. It, it, you can't, you know, pick out one fact about the person and know everything about them, which is probably a good thing, because if you knew, could know too much about the jurors, you'd end up, you know, uh, reading them like books. And, and, and every once in a while, uh, based on the luck of the draw, one person would run out of peremptory challenges really fast and they'd get stuck with a terrible jury that the other guy basically picked. And and that's the the the, the danger here. You've got you've got a, a limited number of challenges. And I can't fault the lawyers on either side specifically for letting this guy uh, pass and end up on the jury because there's just so many other factors you have to consider. It's possible that his demeanor in court kind of, and you know, facial expressions and uh, sort of attitude, it changed everything. Trump's all these facts that we talk about. So let's shine up the crystal ball here and figure out what might happen <gasps> in the George <sighs> Floyd case. I have seen the video many times, mm -hmm. the, the horrendous video of the yeah. cop on his neck for 10 minutes or more, and he's saying, I can't breathe, and so on, and then he's dead, and so I assume that's all there was. Recently, I have seen, on Fox News, video and, and commentary about how, well, there are several more minutes of video, and what they show is the cops trying to persuade George Floyd to get in the car, get in the car, and he is just panicky. He's refusing. He's not going to get in the car. They are saying that he had lots of fentanyl in his system, and he was saying he couldn't breathe, maybe because of the fentanyl, way before he was on the ground and the knee was on his neck. There's going to be, you can bet, a fancy doctor who is going to say for the defense, well, the knee was not the cause of death. And of course, you only need one juror saying not guilty to result in a mistrial right. or a hung jury. Then the prosecution could have a chance to, to retry it. So is there any chance, do you think, that people are going to hear all of this and they are going to say, no, I just, I just, there's reasonable doubt. I can't vote against the cop here. Is there any chance if you factor in that it's still in Minneapolis there was violence before. Would anybody on the jury have any doubt in their mind 
that if there is no conviction, that there is going to be a very high probability of more violence in Minneapolis. And people are, he's going to go on their epitaph. Oh, yeah, you're the guy that caused the riot in Minneapolis in 2021. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think that it's impossible to extricate uh, the opinions and, and perceptions of a jury in 2021 from the history of, you know, hundred years of the backlash, not against personally against the jurors, usually because I don't think that is actually something that's part of our uh, American legal history. Generally, jurors are not because they can be as private as they want. And even when they aren't, don't uh, don't stay private. They, you know, they write books or whatever. It's not it, it, they're not usually targeted or victimized after uh, um, uh, unless it's like an organized crime case um, when they often keep juries uh, hmm. anonymous. But I think it's impossible to say if I were sitting on a jury, of course, I would be cognizant of the fact that um, a, a jury exonerated the the cops in the Rodney King uh, case and uh, and riots uh, resulted. Of course, it would be, you know, you're, you're constantly going to be thinking, what are people going to think of me? Are they going to think that I'm some, uh, you know, Midwest rube who who bought the uh, the defense lawyers uh, nonsense? Right. Or are they think they're going to think that I'm some sort of wacko radical who hates all cops and wants to tear the system down. Maybe I'm a communist. Boo. And the Rodney King precedent you mentioned is exactly the one that maybe people ought to have in mind. And to refresh people's memory, back in 1991, uh, the LAPD was caught on tape by George Holiday, an amateur videographer mm -hmm. who just happened to be standing on his balcony with his brand new camcorder. With Nobody else had one. 80, 80, 80 pounds. Gigantic, yeah. Yeah. And there's Rodney King, and they're beating the crap out of him in a vacant lot across the street from George's video camera. And you look at the video, and you say, he is either not moving at all, or he is barely moving, and they're still wailing away on him. And so it goes to trial in Simi Valley, a suburb of Los Angeles where a lot of cops lived. Right. And shockingly, the jury votes not guilty, and the Rodney King so-called riots resulted in Los Angeles. Now, the federal government comes along and says, oh, that was interesting. The cops uh, were found not guilty. <laughs> a second trial, federal court, because it's not double jeopardy, because we're going to charge those cops with beating him up to deprive him of his civil rights. Right. And so it wasn't double jeopardy. So second trial. Uh, federal law called 1983 that protects people's civil rights, and it's a totally different cause of action, uh, and you can get hit for both of them in separate courts. So now you have a second trial of the cops. It's now in federal court. It's in downtown Los Angeles. The jury is listening and they're listening and you know the jury knew that if they came back with anything except guilty cops are guilty there would be more violence the judge was so concerned about it i can remember he ordered the announcement of the verdict on a saturday morning at either 7 or 8 a.m mm -hmm. and i was down there with a bunch of other folks who were reporting on it and we were yeah. commenting on it and it was kind of weird you're in the federal court at seven or eight in the morning and the judge was thinking to himself clearly who's gonna well, riot at seven in the morning yeah, no it's not gonna happen right and they didn't have to Ride because, of course, the jury found him guilty. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it just seems hard to believe. I, I don't have any. I, I thought the Rodney King cops were guilty, and so I didn't think that. Oh, doggone it! This is terrible that the second jury is gonna is gonna vote guilty only because of a fear of riots because they beat right, him yeah. up illegally. Yeah. And to me, it sure looks like the guy should should be convicted for uh, for leaning on George Floyd's knee and and killing him. And yet, at the same time, why don't they give it? You know, put it in a different city so you minimize the chance uh, of the reaction because that doesn't seem like justice to me that just seems like jurors acting out of fear yeah i mean it's really it's really tough I, when you're when you're talking about on either side 
talking about a jury of your peers. I can see a defense lawyer theoretically saying, look, my client Derek here is a Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota cop. People in Minneapolis, Minnesota who don't already have a preconceived notion that cops are bad, like Minneapolis cops. They're the defenders. They're the watchers on the walls. Mm -hmm. They're the ones saving our lives. They're who's on the other line if there's a bump in the night and I call 911. So that might be a big positive that a jury of your peers knows and appreciates a Minneapolis cop in Minneapolis. So maybe the defense wants it there. And maybe the plaintiffs, not plaintiffs in this case, but the state, maybe the state says, People know that Minneapolis police have bad relationships with the people of Minneapolis. They know that the pe- that police brutality is a serious issue, that the people of Minneapolis want and deserve the right to comment in the form of being on a jury as to the most important uh, police brutality case of this age. And they have the right to, to be the ones weighing in. And if you put this in Biloxi, Mississippi, everywhere you go is going to have its own local biases guess what biloxi mississippi might be a little bit more pro-cop and even more racist than minneapolis or if you go to california you're gonna have a bunch of you know liberal hacks who hate cops it, no matter granola where, eaters crunchies yeah no matter where you go you're, you're gonna end up there's no utopia where everyone hides behind the veil of ignorance has no personal features yeah, I or guess biases. You're right. now when you mentioned a second ago the uh, people guarding walls were you thinking of the, the jack nicholson quote from a few good men with tom cruise and, and me more is that so what you had in mind uh, that and also uh, uh game of thrones the the the, the watch the oh, okay because i, I prefer the, the a few good men because you remember the They're great line w- when jack nicholson said son we live in a world with walls yeah. who's gonna guard those walls you no S- no no of course not you want me on that wall you need me on that exactly wall. exactly right i'd forgotten I, I go back i'll have to go back to the screenplay it's classic hey you know uh, you you know the expression connor uh, your, your eyes are bigger than your stomach mm-hmm well, that's what we had today. We were Every gonna, week we do We this. were going to talk about universal basic income and mandatory vaccines. We'll have Andrew Yang on next week to talk about it. Maybe. We will talk next week about whether or not you can go t- tell the, the boss to stuff it if he says you've got to take your vaccine or else. I love it. There are some reasons why you may be able to say no. Ugh, so, please no. Well, we'll get into them next week. So uh, thanks for listening, folks, to Too Many Lawyers. Have yourself a great week. <laughs>